listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 337. My name's Dave, joined as always by my co-host Wayne as we continue our discussion of the YouTube science fiction series Impulse. And you had a day off today, busy weekend with the hockey tournament, and as you were telling me, it always snows in January wherever you are, you know? Well, no, when we're in Pittsburgh, it always snows. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> the one year we went to Buffalo, and it was like 60 degrees nice but every single time we're in pittsburgh it snows every time so nothing you can do about it and and again like you were saying anybody that knows anything about tournaments whether it's kids tournaments adult sport tournaments or whatever it it invariably happens that you play like you said a nine o'clock game you win you're excited and you don't play again until three well, and yeah, I don't think the kids were excited though. I think they oh. they really were hoping to lose that game, and I think maybe they even actively tried, but the other team was just so bad that <laughs> they you know it's like they just couldn't lose no matter how hard they tried. They still won. So oh well. And Brendan was complaining about. It. I'm like, well, you scored a goal. Like, what are you talking to me about? <laughs> like, yeah. So oh, I mean, well. you, you get that situation. You, you're competitive. Yeah, you're not going to, like you say, like, I don't want to win because I don't want to play, but you don't want to, like, lose either, you know, like you want right. to. Oh, uh, well, all right. Well, before we get on, we want to thank our Patreon supporters. And, you know, as we've mentioned, we have a Patreon account to help defray some of the costs of producing Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. And if you're interested, you can go to the website, sci-fi TV rewatch.podbean.com, and there's a link over on the right. Or you can go to patreon.com slash sci-fi TV rewatch, and it will also list uh, yeah, the goodies that we're offering if you do choose to become a patron. All right. Well, we got a lot to talk about, but in our tip of the week, what we're watching, you know, I mentioned the Polish crime drama, Ultraviolet. So my wife and I are just about finished that and if you weren't around last week, it's a group of people that work together. They use the internet, social media to solve cases that the police either aren't interested in solving or just basically can't. And the one thing that I'm dealing with now, and I've mentioned this from time to time, so few shows these days provide any real stakes for major characters. And you mm-hmm. think, why why even putting them in a dangerous situation? We know you're not going to kill them. Right. Well, they killed off one of the two leads in the second episode of season two. And I'm like, WTF. Yeah. And, and, and on top of that, I think virtually everybody that watches the show was shipping that couple. So mm-hmm. it, it, it's funny because it's, it's one of these deals that the person they brought in to replace that character is just awesome. And, my wife and I have both totally bought into this character and, and something similar happened with Van Helsing when the lead character, Vanessa, uh, the actress got pregnant and they brought in another female, roughly the same age, made her her twin sister. And she was just awesome, held down the fort until, you know, the other actress returned. And then the two of them, the dynamic was awesome as well. Um, I'm also preparing to watch season two of Sex Education with Gillian Anderson on Netflix. And dude, I don't want to get into a long discussion about this, but I, I say that and I know <laughs> take off, but I I'm was really disappointed. Off. No, you are. 
I was really disappointed with episode three of Doctor Who. I mean, I get it. Mankind's ruining the earth. Move on, you know? Yeah, and and that was actually like one of the big complaints about last season, right? That it was too preachy, you know, and everything. Um, you know, I actually just rewatched episode three and you know, the, the same time, I'm like, you know, for the most part, it's a pretty enjoyable episode, uh, a lot of action and everything. But then, like, I was just dreading the end, though. You know, I'm like, ah, here it comes. Yeah. Right. I mean, it, it, instead of a sledgehammer, they used, uh, you know, I don't know, it was like a wrecking ball or <laughs> just like, yeah. oh, my God, they just, just beat me just, to a Right. Pulp. You know, it's just too obvious. You know, like, like a, I'm, I'm not saying it's not a well-crafted show, because like I said, pretty much I was episode three, even like the second time watching it, I liked it. I liked a lot of it. I thought the action was great. I thought there was some good humor in there. Um, there were some really stretchy kind of plot points that were kind of ridiculous. But also, as I've said before, I think Doctor Who, we grant some leeway with the ridiculousness, you know? Sure. Um, but when they just, yeah, when they just bang it over your head of, oh, here's the social metaphor we're trying to present to you. Like, dude, we we got it. Like, you know, so, yeah, that was bad. Uh, but uh, the one so, good thing is, did you notice the the little kid, the green haired boy? You Roger, yeah, right, Roger, Roger right? yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was awesome. So, all right. Well, what do you got? Hopefully, uh, so yeah, not I, not rant worthy. Yeah, no, it might be. I don't know. Um, people might be surprised because I there's a series of movies that. I'd always known about, I'd, I'd heard good things about it, never had seen it, and just got them out of the library and watched them. I'm like, man, these are, these are pretty good movies. You might be surprised to hear the movies I'm talking about are the John Wick movies. Oh, so okay. I, with, I thought you were going to mention Kristen Stewart. and uh, No. <laughs> okay, no. <laughs> but I did also talking. get uh, the first four rambo movies for christmas so okay um that's coming up soon though but the, yeah the right, john well, Wick movies like they uh you know they're they're not like highbrow by any stretch of the imagination they're super violent but i think like it's kind of like the part that, i mean that's the point right the point is the the violence is like almost it's balletic you know and um you know it's just i just i don't know they're cool <laughs> i like them so all right so I watched all three, and then I, I ordered the uh, the Blu-rays from Amazon because each one was only about eight bucks. Oh, so okay, all right, sounds good. All right, well, let's go ahead and get into Impulse, episode eight of season one, titled "Awakening," written by showrunner Lauren LaFranc, who also wrote "State of Mind," and her co-writer Deborah Fordham, who wrote "Treading Water." So you know, pretty decent episodes, I think. Directed by Rebecca Johnson, who directed two episodes of The Magicians, episode of Supergirl, The Flash. So, um, just you know, first Got impressions. Some cred. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so. My first impression is this was a pretty darn good uh, episode. I thought. Um, I thought so too. I liked, especially. I mean, again, they might have gone a little heavy-handed on the hero's journey stuff. Like we get it. I don't need Towns showing up in a suit of armor, handing her a sword to get that she's on a journey, she's on a quest, you know. But that's fine. Again, I'll I'll, I'll let that one slide because overall it was it was really good. 
And a lot of, just a lot, like at the end, like I started thinking about what happened. I'm like, a lot happened in this episode, you know? Yes, it did. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll hold off on that uh, ep- uh, that scene about Towns. So we'll, we'll get to that in a second because I've right. got some things to say and I know you do as well. You know, the other thing, and I've said this before when it happens, I, I love the fact that the scenes are allowed to develop rather than the camera moving from story to story every 45 seconds because we're going to forget what clay and his father are doing if we don't see them every 45 50 seconds so you know they really let a a scene develop three four minutes in some cases so i really love that but you know we're we're dealing the primary story which is you know the, the scene that you mentioned henry's seizure dreams i mean sometimes we'll refer to it as a fever dream and these really have to be handled well or they can really just become silly to a certain extent and i think they handled this one really well because so much of it we get to see inside henry's head no pun intended and and that you know the crises that she's dealing with and right away that opening scene where she's walking alone deserted highway at night and you know we're, we're totally comfortable we've seen this so many times before and then she stops and starts taking off her clothes yeah like okay that was weird um, on the one hand keep going uh, <laughs> on the other hand what are you doing yeah. <laughs> you know because you know we're thinking like number one we don't really see her do anything other than smoke pot you know so we don't see her drink we don't see her i mean not uh, really not much we don't see her, her taking other drugs so you know she definitely see her having sex right but then she lies face up on the middle of the road, arms outstretched, eyes closed, and then Clay comes along. Let me help you, and and of well, course at this Clay's point, walking. So yeah, yeah. R- well, right, right. So we, so we if know. If there was any doubt yeah, before, right. But and, and, and we've talked about this before as she has thought back to what actually happened in the truck and we had that one episode where there were three different versions that we saw within that same episode but then when he tells her to get in the fucking truck this is the clay we know but we see jenna in with zach and and it's it's all about her being jenna's protector and i think when we look at the broader situation who's protecting henry you know and i and i think that's you know subconsciously really the the subtext that that i get out of this this scene where she wants to protect jenna yeah exactly and so that's the thing when we yeah we might forget oh clay man he's evil like especially now he's walking you know like all this is totally happening in henry's head so the fears she has and the, the threats that exist are all threats that you know, she perceives in, in her head and, you know, and to greater or lesser degrees, they are actual threats in the real world. And we see ultimately, well, we'll talk about where the quest leads eventually, but, you know, so this clay is is not clay. It's her version of clay, this, you know, this villainous, awful, you know, completely evil version. And of course, that's not, yeah, you know, I mean he's not great, but that's not you know the actual real life Clay and, and Jenna, who is 
you know, in this case, the victim that Henry has to protect. Well, again, that's not really Jenna because, as you said, Jenna's done a fair share of protecting, you know, Henry herself. So these things are just all, you know, Henry's perceptions. And it just really, we get to, like you said, we really get inside your head and understand, you know, her her hopes, her fears, her anxieties, all of that just laid out to bear for us. Laid out yeah. to bear for us. Yeah. And we get to see Dr. Art from Orphan Black again and he explains that she's in an extended non-convulsive seizure he considers it a medical anomaly and and he's truthful he's doesn't know whether she'll wake up or when she'll wake up uh the longer she's in the seizure the higher the risk but we go from that to henry coming into the house to ask her mother to come with her to help rescue jenna which and at this point we're you know, we, we've bought into the fact that this is what Henry's experiencing in the coma and whether she's going to remember any of this when she comes out. We don't know. And I'm not sure we really even get an answer in this episode. And no, I'm not I don't sure think we do at all. And I don't think it really matters. No, because, that's just, it totally doesn't matter. You're right. Right. And mom is sitting at the table. And two of her former boyfriends are in the dream because at first there's the one he's making food or something. And then all of a sudden it's Phil, who's I think the one they've run from most recently. Okay. Henry tells her, I need you to snap the fuck out of this shit. I need you. And that's it in a nutshell. Her mother has really never been there to help her, or at least that's how she sees it. And, And again, we've talked many times. Cleo is far from the perfect mother. But I she's guess far from the me, worst, though, too. But she's far from the worst, and he, she has her daughter's best interests at heart. It's just sometimes she makes crappy decisions. Yeah, well, we, we kind of get a feeling that, like, Henry's best interest is, I'm not saying it's a new thing for Cleo, but, you know, just when she's starting to listen to Henry a little bit more. I thought it was funny that her version of her mom that she's always blaming for running away cleo says i'm stuck here i can't help you i'm stuck here right like oh well oh that's you know so you know she when she wants cleo to get up and let's run cleo's like no yeah yeah and then thomas appears and even he won't listen and henry's like this is your daughter no, I got to stay because your mom's going to leave me soon. (laughs) Bill shows up and we're like, okay, so is this, you know, does she secretly think her mother's having an affair with Bill or, or likes Bill or whatever? That's her anxiety, right? That's what she's worried about. She sees, you know, Bill, I think she, was she, yeah, she was there when Bill was having sex with uh, the waitress, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so she knows Bill's a player. So, um, Mm -hmm. You know, so these are again. This is all her, her anxieties, like right out there. She's she's worried that you know that Thomas is not strong enough to stand up even for his own daughter. She's worried that her mom is heading toward this relationship with Bill. Just all these things, right? But then, as you said at the beginning of the discussion, we get so much out of this episode, and Cleo tells Henry to go to her room. 
don't you always end up there anyway? And, and of course, I think there's that fear that how is my mother going to handle the fact that I can teleport? Because eventually we have to believe she's going to find out. But then that segues to Henry in her room and she sees her younger self jumping on the bed. And then they both hear that loud whoosh that we've, of course, come to associate with teleportation Mm -hmm. and tells her that the monster's close. You got to hide. And then, of course, we get into the hiding of the closet thing. I'm not sure the significance of her finding herself in an empty hallway at school. Is that maybe just because she feels alone at school outside of towns and Jenna? Yeah. I, I, yeah. That's, that's a good point. Like, cause I, I thought that also when she ended up at school, I'm like, why is she at school? I mean, I guess one thing it provides you with a place that's kind of like a labyrinth, right? That has hallways with turns and everything you got to go down extra rooms slash caves in which you can confront, you know, things. Um, it just kind of works out that way as organizationally as a, a, a good setting. But otherwise, you know, why she goes there, uh, I don't know if school is a place she's really afraid of. You know, because like I said, we are seeing her love her fears and anxieties. So is that a place that she fears or just, you know, a natural setting like that where your brain goes because it's just – a familiar place yeah okay you know what and, and i think you're absolutely right and i wonder if it's a subtle nod to buffy the vampire slayer which i i know you've only seen the first episode or two but so much of joss's story is about the teenage experience and so many of the monsters are just issues that that terrify teenagers as they move on towards adulthood so uh you know like you said though i love the the labyrinth illusion because i I definitely can see that right away she sees amos dead on the ground and and we already know that she feels responsible for his death and we could argue that she should feel responsible but i think we both agree she was put into a no win situation you got two choices both of them are bad Yet she still knows that she she fingered the guy and then he ends up dead, you know. Right. But so does she really think Bill is going to kill whoever she points out at that point? I sure got that feeling. Okay. All right. Well But but yeah, like she doesn't know. You're right. She had no choice. She she was just scared. Um but but then again, you can understand why she would feel guilt about that. Oh Again, yeah, yeah. We're in her head, right? So it's not like other people are really blaming her for it, but certainly she blames herself. Well, right. And then in her, you know, you know, internal dialogue here, Lucas tells her that it was her fault that she killed him. And we're of course like, no, you're the one that killed him, dude, not her. Right. right. And then and then that image that you mentioned earlier a knight in armor runs toward her, turns out to be Towns. And, you know, you th- feel like it's maybe a little overkill with the Joseph Campbell hero's journey. And, and you know, he even mentions the threshold, which right. is, you know, one of the. And I guess I looked at it like two ways. Number one, for people like us that are pretty familiar with Campbell's uh, monomyth, it's kind of cool to hear the terminology used. Sure. For people that don't know it, 
maybe it gets them to get on Google and see what yeah. this Campbell stuff's all about. So Good point. I was I okay I, it with didn't, it. It didn't really bother me. Like, I, no, I was okay with it. I just thought, yeah. like, mm, yeah, that might be a little bit much, but it wasn't anything that like really bothered me and everything. And if anything, it was super funny. Uh, provide some good humor there with uh, towns in, in the uh, the armor. So well, well, but I guess what I find fascinating is that whole idea of the knight in shining armor that she sees towns that way. Because we've talked a number of times about how she can be dismissive towards town, sometimes downright mean. At other times, she's nice. But to to learn that she sees him as her protector and, you know, that whole metaphor of the knight in shining armor. Okay. So so I, I guess I was okay there. And then, of course, he tells her, you really need to think about getting a costume. All superheroes need one to keep their identity a secret. And, of course, we know it's not necessarily the costume, but she needs to keep her powers a secret, as he says as well, because we know Nikolai is after her. Right. And that's one of the things that, that comes out of this episode. And that for him, his message to her your hero's journey is to rescue the little girl, which of course we know is her. And again, rescuing that part of her life that maybe she just doesn't understand that she sees as a blank. I mean, we don't really know what she feels about that part of her life. You know, we've, we've been treated to bits and pieces here and there, but you know, not, not all that much. Yeah. And, and well, then, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say then, you know, she gets to the threshold and he's like, no, nope, that's far as I go. You're on your own now. Um, because that's that's as far as the, the mage goes, right? That's just like, yeah. uh, the first part there. So, you know, like, I, the, I thought it was the, I liked that bit of seeing herself. And, and of course, we, we know at this point that she is uh, on a quest and the quest is to for herself. And the, the episode is called Awakening. So... You know, we know at, that again. That works on a couple of level because she's in like a coma, kind of. So she's going to wake up at the end, and we also know that she's probably coming to a point where she's waking up to her own abilities and, and how to use them and everything. Also, waking up to the fact that there's this big, dark organization that you know wants to get her and everything. Yeah, we understand this is a search for self, basically, and she literally sees herself. And it seems like it's this part of her that, you know, this innocent part of her, this this back in the day, this time when things were better and my dad was still around and we didn't jump from place to place and, uh, you know, my life wasn't shitty. That that time that I can – and how many people latch on to childhood as this idyllic time? And, and honestly, when you really think about it, like, you know, realistically, when you were a kid – uh, you thought it sucked because everyone was bigger. You never got to do anything. You just wanted to be older. So there's no point really that you're you know, able to like really say, oh, I'm happy. And this is the great part of my life and everything. You know, because we all, I guess that's a truism of humanity. We always want more. Well, well, yeah, and you mentioned having a relationship with her father. And, and I found it interesting, that image of the sword. And I almost feel like they did it backwards because at at first you know she's in the classroom clay is holding her younger self hostage 
And the next thing you know, Clay, I don't know if he teleports. I mean, that seems to be what happens yeah, in, yeah, yeah. in her vision. Yes. And next thing you know, he's got the sword and impales it into her back. And that's when she starts flatlining in the hospital. But then she's back in her youth watching her younger self play with her dad. And they're playing with wooden swords, uh, playing pirates. And again, as you said, that idyllic time of youth. And 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 yeah, I mean, and I'm sure you've had the same experience with teenage girls. It's, how old are you, 16? No, I'm 17. Well, you know, there's going to come a time pretty soon when you're going to be happy when somebody thinks you're younger than you are. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess right. not now. But we, we've seen so many little things about her father. And now we hear that the monster's back. He puts older Henry in the closet. And that's when she gets her answer. Sees Nikolai with her dad punches dad then teleports away and she's got her answer as do we dad didn't leave the family he was taken and and i think fred even speculated on that a few weeks back as did you i believe so we get our answer at this point as long as we believe that that was a true memory rather than but why would it not exactly you know nikolai I mean, yeah, she sat next to him in the car dealership for a little bit, but they didn't interact. So, you know, why would he be in her fantasy or thing, exactly. whatever? It's, so it's got to be a memory. And I know Fred nitpicks because he says that Nikolai is no younger there, but it's only like maybe like 10 years ago, right? Sure. So, you know. Right, right. Because Henry's sixteen. Give the man a break. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I I think that that for sure is a one hundred percent memory. And remember when uh, he quote unquote left, uh, he was watching her right while Cleo was on the road. Yeah. So and uh, Cleo wasn't in this scene, right? It was just right the dad and Henry. So yeah, right. And then we get that final scene with Clay standing there, tells him to get out of her room, punches him, say you're sorry, which of course we know goes back to the sexual assault. And the next thing you know, she's beaten him to a bloody pulp. And the fact that he just lets her, I think, gives her the answer that she was right. He did try to rape me at best it was a sexual assault at worst it was a rape and you know i i I think she gets some confirmation we know she didn't need it but in her mind and we again we've talked about this we we understand why she's confused because it's such a traumatic thing to have happen and you know young henry finally tells her to stop if i do he'll get away with everything but he's not the monster and then, of course, older Henry sees herself as beaten and bloody. She suddenly teleports from the hospital bed to her bed at home, which, dude, I don't know about you, but that was, I'm like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because, of course, we know at that point, Jenna needs her. Right. You know, and and, right, and right, not right. that she knows Jenna needs right. her, but, you know. Yeah, so, and, and, and that's where we get to the point where we, we realize, I mean, we obviously we knew it before, but that this was like, as I said, a search for self. You know, she she isn't confronting Clay. She's confronting 
her, her herself and, and how she deals with the the assault and and she we've said she really hasn't been processing it very well uh she told jenna and that's about it so she really hasn't been actively trying to deal with it and and trying to to come to some kind of of understanding that yes this happened yes it was horrible yes i need to i need to live my life you know i can't spend my whole life afraid because of this and i think by pounding on clay is helping her exercise that that fear and then realizing that it was you know like she sees herself then in clay's jacket then it's again it's the same thing of you know I, you know i i need to conquer this fear this anxiety this this thing that's holding me back i need to you know punch that into oblivion and and so i can move on and she definitely does that. So, yeah. All right. Well, why don't we transition over to the tangential part of, of this whole scenario, which is Nikolai making his move. Before that, though, we get Towns coming to the hospital. He meets Jenna. <laughs> Should I have brought marijuana? Because yeah. it's polite to bring a sympathy gift, and that's the only thing Henry likes. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, uh, that's why we love you, Towns. Yeah. But the other issue that that has come up and and very often it's towns that brings it up is the idea of this betrayal of friendship and we know what he's talking about that this is a monumental secret and jen is pretty smart we we've certainly established that i wonder if the fact that he repeats this to her over time he's just not quite convinced she gets it and you know, this is Towns, but the other thing that he brings up is wondering whether teleportation could be g- genetic. Maybe we should try to find her dad. And right. and her dad has been kind of looming in the background as this plot point that never gets explored. Right. So is now the time we explore it? Yeah. Well, uh, and, you know, I thought that was, first of all, that that Towns, I thought it was kind of weird that Towns would think that, but, you know, because it's kind of too, like, dead on, you know, like, yes, it's actually exactly what you should do, Towns, funny enough. But, uh, but yeah, her, her dad had always been uh, looming in the background, and I know I speculated if her dad was going to be someone that we'd already met, and of course he's not, um, but he looks like a really nice guy. But, but now there's... Now, now she has seen her dad in her memories, and now Towns is brought up. I guess we can, and now that she's confronted Nikolai, um, there's she's going to ask some big questions, and there's probably going to be another quest here, maybe to you know, maybe to find your dad, save her dad, whatever. You can see that it's kind of going in that direction, right? And you know, she was. I don't know, six years old or so. We're just speculating. That's about what she looks like. You're probably a better judge of. Uh, uh, she, she might have been probably more like, that kid's probably more like three or four. Oh, yeah. really? Okay. So yeah. that's a pretty long time to not have seen your father. So. Oh, she was four, I think, because Do, I, think, I think Cleo maybe told us that. Okay. That she was four. Um, so. All right. So, so we see Nikolai break into Thomas's house, starts looking around. Jenna returns, hears something upstairs, and of course thinks it's Henry. And 
again, we're doing the, you know, the horror movie. It's like, no, don't go upstairs. Yeah. You know, he's up there. Uh, she runs downstairs, grabs a knife. I'm not here for you. I'm looking for Henrietta Coles. Oh, okay. That's okay. I'm oh, all right. Go, go ahead. Then. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I thought you were here for me, dude. Uh, all right. Right. But Jenna's holding the knife on Nikolai and, you know, good for her, but this is Nikolai. So we're, yeah. we're just waiting for him to disarm her. I don't think I ever got the impression he was going to hurt Jenna. There was just something about the whole situation, but that, you know, he might tie her up or whatever, but, but this is the, he, he killed I know. Yeah. You know, uh, what's his uh, Dominic's wife? Right. Yeah. Right. I know. But uh, like he, he didn't have tell- to do that. Right now, Henry runs in, and he tells her, "I know what you can do. It always starts with seizures, which is again another answer that we get in this episode that we've speculated before, so that." You know, these seizures were simply the precursor to teleportation, and we wonder whether the seizures will stop as her control gets better. We didn't get an answer to that yet, but he makes really a monumental rookie mistake by putting the knife down. I don't know about you. I was shocked that he just put the knife down on the table and then had his back <laughs> to the knife. And of yeah. course that was a double mistake because well, yeah, Jenna I, grabs it. Right. He clearly didn't see either of those girls as a threat. And that's, you know, that's, that's, he paid for his misogyny, you know? And, you know, he teleports to a snowy field, lies writhing, bleeding. And again, visually, <laughs> is that overdone the whole, bleeding out in a in a field of snow just so we can see the blood you know better but he pulls out a syringe injects himself before lying down in the snow face up arms outstretched which really parallels that scene with henry yeah. in the road at the beginning which yeah. unbeknownst to the other you know there's just something about that that position that i don't know i mean I don't know that we ever get an answer even uh, through the next season, but you know, the, uh, the story with the boons, I mean, it, it doesn't necessarily factor in directly with, with stuff going on with Henry, uh, but obviously a lot in this episode deals with Lucas coming to terms with what he did to Amos Miller or and not. I, well, do we still know whether or not Bill ordered him to do it. I mean, no, no, it's pretty clear here that, that Bill basically said, protect the family, you know, and like, kind of like wink, wink, not, not Lucas, you know what to, to do. I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to incriminate myself, but Hey, you know what, what needs to be done here. You know? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, what I said or not, I meant like, I don't see Lucas, still reaching that place where he's come to terms with what he's done because he's planning on doing a runner here at first until Cleo shows up. Yeah. Right. I mean, he clears out the safe. Uh, he's got a gun and he is Leaves the gun as, though at first. Yeah. As frantic as I've seen anybody, let alone 
let alone Lucas. You know, clearly Bill knows what he did. Like you said, whether or not it's just you take care of it and, and it was unspoken what that actually means. But then later we see Clay struggling to get in his wheelchair. And, and again, we've seen this before. We've talked about the implications of that. But the conversation Bill has with Clay is really telling. I need to know what happened that night between you and Henrietta. And at the end of the conversation, maybe she did try to say no. And I, you know, there's not a lot to like about Bill because he is the ultimate manipulator, conniver. But for whatever reason, he wanted to know the truth about what happened to Henry and that I think instinctively he knew his son was holding something back in terms of the truth. So, you know. Right. Well, and, you know, so here's where, again, um, I, I see a certain lack of vision on this show as to where they're going with Clay because, you know, like I said, they're going back and forth between he's this, oh, well, he's this terrible person that tried to, to assault Henry. And then, well, he's a pitiable figure. We should feel sorry for him. And he doesn't even remember what he did. So maybe he's like a different person now. And now we see that he basically knows what he did. And he's just still unwilling to 100% admit to it. You know? Um, oh, you, he, you mean Bill or Clay? Uh, Clay. Clay. Sorry. Okay. Clay. You know, this whole time wondering, oh, well, he doesn't remember. He doesn't. So that maybe that makes him slightly more sympathetic, right? Because we feel bad. He's in the wheelchair and, and he can't remember what he did. So, but apparently he can remember and he does remember. And he just, you know, was unwilling to admit it uh, even to himself. And like Bill, now that he knows the truth, because I think Bill realizes like, okay, you did sexually assault this girl. And just, okay, you made a mistake. We'll take care of it. Right. And we're, and we're moving on. And moving on, then we see that scene with the Mennonites. And it's the only one in the episode, but it's so powerful. They're in a circle outside praying. And then they open up a crate of guns, which are distributed. Jeremiah's wife is there as well. And we're assuming she's just going to go back home but no No. she's in one of the trucks that you know they go in different directions but i love his line if you wish for peace prepare for war sounds like something shinsu would have said but uh, (laughs) in the art of war but uh you know they say goodbye to each other and and uh everybody heads on out so we're really preparing for you know, something big to happen it, it looks like in episode nine or or at the least in episode 10 yeah but don't don't f with the mennonites man that no is, not you know, at all they come at you hard yep <laughs> now just a couple of other things that are kind of unrelated to those main stories I, I like that scene with jenna and cleo in the hospital when uh, she's talking to her about henry as a child and she never made anything easy, but I love her for it. I'm so proud of her. I don't know. It, that rings kind of hollow to me from Cleo. Am I off base? No, I don't I think so. I mean, I she does say I pushed so much shit on her 
you know, it's almost like she suddenly now she realizes I might lose my daughter and, oh, crap, you know, I've really been screwing up. Well, you never realized that before now. Right. And she kind of shifts in the high mama bear gear here because, you know, like she goes from, you know, really being before like, Henry, you're, you're messing with my job to now being like on a rampage, basically. Lucas wants her out of there because the Mennonites are coming. There's going to be a drug shootout going down soon. And Lucas doesn't want her to be there, but she won't listen to him. You know, of course he didn't tell her that, you know, maybe he said, listen, I know you're super pissed, Cleo, but there's some Mennonites coming down here with a bunch of guns. You want to get out of here like now. Right. Probably she just gone with the truth there. Now, I I really like the way Jenna handled the question about whether or not Clay raped Henry because she tells Cleo enough of the truth, you know, give her some ammunition, but doesn't necessarily tell her everything. But she does then say something happened with Bill. Don't know exactly, but Henry's afraid of all of the boons and again that you'd you'd think then why would you then go to the dealership to confront but as you said mama bear mode it's it's where was this uh the past 10 years but yeah uh, but then the only other just really quick about one thing is also because jenna is kind of treading water kind of gently here because she doesn't want cleo to feel bad that henry confided in her jenna and not cleo right yeah so she she doesn't want to like say oh yeah she totally told me about the rape and everything she told me about the night it happened she didn't tell you really you know yeah. uh she tries to play it so you know like to make it out that that henry does trust cleo and will confide in her uh okay now the only other scene that i wanted to bring up because again it's it's very brief that male agent from I don't know if it was DEA or whatever agency he was with gets in Anna's car and tells her, I thought we were clear about you staying out of their way. But what comes out of that scene is we get, I don't want to say the answer. We get a partial answer about what happened to her back in the city because he says, you regret defending your partner for shooting that kid, white cop, black kid. So, yeah. So you know, we we suspect before that Anna was the one who shot him because obviously she feels a pretty tremendous amount of guilt about it. But no, backed up her partner in a what sounds like a bad shooting. All right. Anything else uh, we haven't talked about that you think is important? Um. So let's see. One thing is in the beginning with uh, Henry. Uh, she you know takes her clothes off, drops them on the road, lies down. Clay comes over, gives him her jacket. She stands up. Her clothes are gone that she took off. And then she walks up to the the jeep, and she's got jeans on now too. So right, just obviously it's a dream, right? And it's, this yes. is not lack of continuity on the part of the the writers. It was, obviously was purposefully done. They probably had fun doing that too. Just say, hey, let's. See if anyone notices that the the clothes are gone on the road and stuff like that. Right. Now, the other thing about that, I also found it fascinating that he gives her his letterman's jacket, which 
again, one of the criticisms I think you and I would probably bring up is that Letterman's jackets are not a thing anymore, at least no. not that I've noticed for the past right. 20 years yeah, or so, yeah. at least at least where we are. But still, it's as a symbol of what she sees him standing for, you know, this toxic male sports culture, right or wrong. So I thought it was very meaningful that they use that. Uh, right. You know, and that, that this scene. is twice in this episode, she is wearing the jacket because uh, right. later when she's punching clay and then turns into herself, uh, she's there with the, the leather jacket on. All right. Anything else? Um, so and as if Anna's day wasn't going badly enough, a uh, bird poops on her windshield. It oh, must yeah. be like some industrial poop because that stuff was not coming off. <laughs> yeah. But I remember saying, hey, at least they're not squids, right? Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ew. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because you're a watchman, right? right? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, Town's name drops Flight of the Navigator. I thought that was well done. Oh, Okay. Oh, just the, the last thing is that, you know, uh, Anna leaves a, a message for Cleo telling her not to go into work today, which, like, they're they're setting up kind of like a sting here, right? They're going to arrest the men knights. They're going to arrest Bill and everything. You know, basically telling Cleo that something's going down, that's, that's not great for police work. You know, good as a human being to a human being, but... I mean, she could have really, you know, kind of just torpedoed the whole sting by warning Cleo off. So, you, you know, I, I guess just basically we saw last episode where she put her career in front of her friendship with Cleo. And, of course, her friendship with Cleo is kind of fake because she was just using her. But but now we see, like, you know, maybe the regret from that. And she's starting to, you know, put her relationship with Cleo in front of her career because yeah you know obviously that that's something that could totally get you fired as a police officer yeah all right time to listen to fred sure all right all right let's hear what fred has to say in his feedback this time hello dave and wayne and all listeners to sci-fi tv rewatch this is fred from the netherlands with some feedback for impulse season one episode eight First off, as usual, I want to come back to last week's podcast, but only with one remark. Last week there was a discussion in what is good in Clay. I think there is nothing good in Clay. He's just the biggest selfish a-hole. And even if he discusses with Patty whether he ever did something like Henry accuses him of to Patty and she says no and he is relieved, that is just for his own conscience. And the fact that Patty says no, well, she was big into him. So if he wanted to have sex, she probably agreed on it anyhow. So he didn't encounter a no there. We see in every situation he is an a-hole. And because of this sentiment I have, even in Henry's dream where he initially looks friendly and nice, I still have a feeling of disgust when I see this guy. Although, when we would see the actor somewhere, it could be a very nice guy. So, it's not just his face. 
Okay, about the topic, what are we watching? Well, of course, I'm going to watch the Picard series and will be involved in at least two podcasts there. I just started the second season of Sex Education, which is quite funny. And actually, I'm watching that with my wife. We don't watch a lot together, but uh, this one we do. First episode of the second season was a bit over the top, but it was nice. And I think it's nothing for Wayne, because it has too much icky teenage sex. Furthermore, I'm enjoying, after the mid-season break, Stumptown with Kobe Smulders in the lead role. And I have to finish up the fourth season of The Expanse before the Picard series starts. And officially I'm still watching Batwoman, but I cannot find the time to watch those episodes. Although I'm very curious how Rachel Scarston as Alice is doing in the episodes I already missed. Okay, about episode 8 of Impulse. I don't know if I enjoyed so much these dream sequences. They probably all refer to several stuff in... Henry's life, very funny of course, was when she looks at Towns or how she sees Towns as a person. He is the nerd in the night costume. But actually she's not that wrong if you see when Towns comes to the hospital and talks to Jenna, how he reacts to Jenna's question whether they should inform the parents, the doctors, etc., You see that his reasoning is coming from a fantasy world. On the other hand, the golden thing there is that friends stick together and don't betray each other. One nitpick, uh, perhaps not a nitpick. What are Henry's dreams? Are it fantasies, explaining stuff, referring to stuff, or are it memories, or are it both? Because she gets in this dream in her closet as she remembers from probably her childhood. And then her father is fighting Nikolai. If this is a memory, this Nikolai is way too old for so long ago. It's just present day Nikolai. Well, if it's a dream, it can be, but still. But if it's a memory, it's a nitpick. You could wonder at the end of the episode if Nikolai succeeds in getting the syringe into his heart. But if you see it in his hands, it's empty. So probably he did succeed. And why does he do that? Is that a kind of suicide? I don't think so. It's something that perhaps could rescue, save him. So I'm looking very much forward to your analysis of all Henry's dreams and how you are connecting that to her past, present and future. Great. All the best, Fred from the Netherlands. All right. Um, You know, I I guess the first thing I just want to address is what Fred's watching. And I know so many people are beside themselves waiting for the Star Trek Picard series. Dude, I could not care less. Uh, I mean, I have zero interest. And and I know I'm probably in the minority of sci-fi fans because I saw the first couple episodes of Star Trek Discovery and 
just didn't do it for me. Yeah, this is I, Patrick Stewart coming back as Picard, man. Like, and, and you know, I love Patrick Stewart in his uh, Picardy commercials or whatever <laughs> commercials. I don't even know what they're for, but uh, I don't know. I, you know, maybe it's like Doctor Who in that he was never my captain. Right. And that as much as I tried to like Next Generation, I just never – bought into any of the characters oh dude i, I understand oh i i know i know so <laughs> it, it pains me to hear you talk like this dave i just i, I know so uh anyway so Fred's gonna I, contribute. I would love to see picard but i'm not paying for cbs all access so oh there you go so yeah. uh he also mentioned sex education and and a little shout out to you uh too many icky yeah. teenage sex scenes so you can stay away from that uh Fourth season of The Expanse, you know, like I'm still not ready to shell out for Amazon, so I guess I'm going to have to wait to see The Expanse season four. Uh, I, I would at, have at watched it by now, except I started watching The American, so I'm still. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. So, dude, All you right, should well, really um, get Amazon Prime. Though. I mean, I'm telling you, just just for the the the, the, the videos, the, the shows that are on, um, it's really worth it. Yeah, I know. It really is. And and I've resisted telling my wife how little it actually costs for Amazon Prime, you know, because, I mean, you're talking eight or nine bucks a month to, yeah. to, to get Amazon Prime. And as you said, there's virtually everything yeah. available. And so, then you get free shipping today. And you get free from, shipping, from, yeah. from Amazon, too, so, which is a, a nice little little perk. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, Fred's only got a few questions this week, and, and and one certainly deals with Henry's dreams and fantasies and whether they're memories, both. And, and you know, I think we kind of established, but, you know, that that they are both. I mean, they are her, her fears, but they are her memories as well. And as you said, you know, making that connection with Nikolai and her father, that now that she's seen Nikolai... You know, whether she's processed it from her, uh, you know, her, her dream, her vision quest, if you will, we don't know whether she's made that connection quite yet because things are happening so quickly at this right. point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Jenna stabs him and he teleports away. So for Henry and Jenna, that establishes that dude can teleport. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. There's so other not teleporters only is, for sure. Right. Not only is he a bad guy, but he's already told Jenna, I'm not here for you. I'm here for Henry. So this whole idea that are there people out there that Henry should be hiding from as Towns has contended from day one, you know, we get some verification that, that right. yes, I mean, we knew, but now they have the verification. So, right. And just one thing is, is also like this, her, her like kind of inner quest that she follows here you know, was part of like, hey, yeah, it sucked what Clay did to you. It was horrible. It was terrible. But girl, there's worse things out there. You got to lace up your boots and put on your big girl pants because what is coming for you is going to make the Boone family look like a bunch of Girl Scouts. Right. And that's the interesting thing because we're still struggling to make a meaningful connection between the Boones 
and this whole idea of teleportation that really seems to be at the center of this story. So other than the fact that the incident in Clay's truck was the first incident, you know, is, is all this stuff with the Mennonites really going to come to anything? So, uh, you know, that that's still Certainly there. Certainly seems like it. It, it, it does. pretty we've upset. Only, and we've only got two episodes to go, so right. I guess we will see. All right. Anything else about Fred's feedback you want to bring up? Uh, I don't think so. No. Okay. All right, Fred, thank you. Uh, sounds like you got a lot of watching to do, Fred. Uh, you also yeah. mentioned Stumptown with Kobe Smulders. I, I love Kobe Smulders. I mean, uh, Maria Hill, we don't see her enough for my taste, certainly in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but but even in the movies, I would still like to see her more. I mean, I know we do see her a fair amount. There's so many darn characters in the Marvel universe that they've got to try to fit into all the different movies. But uh, yeah, I do like her. I still have not seen Stumptown. Have you? No. No. I don't even think I'd heard about it. I'd heard about it, um, but I think it's another procedural type show. And, Uh you know, I mean, I got my hands full with the uh, international ones that my wife and I are watching. So, (laughs) right. I guess that's probably a good place to stop this time and, uh, yeah, getting to the end. So, uh, I guess one of the things we'll have to consider what's going to happen when we reach the end oh, of season one. Oh, do we have to do one. that again? Oh my God. Well, well yeah. I know. It's always so stressful. We'll talk about it, but, uh, okay. all right. For now, we'll escape by saying that's going to do it for this episode of sci-fi TV rewatch. Want to thank you guys for joining us. Love to hear what you think about impulse. Uh, anything else in, the sci-fi genre market see i didn't even mention dark this time encourage you to join the facebook group share your thoughts with the sci-fi tv rewatch community and if you're already a member spread the word if you want to shoot us an email it's sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com voicemails go via the speak pipe tab which you can access through the website or just record your own send it to us as an mp3 the way fred does each week We'll be back next time to discuss Impulse Season 1, Episode 9, titled, They Know Not What They Do. But until then. So, I know at this time of year, especially with how cold it's been, thinking about summer and cookouts is far away now, but I always love, like, you know, eating outside summer cookouts. And sometimes, you know, like, Bird will come over, and as Anna Holche can attest to, Bird just poop right on your food and stuff like that. It's almost like, Wayne, you know what what's going on? How come you're not eating your food? I said, listen, I got a lot of shit on my plate.